Good morning, afternoon. Where am I? <laughs> what a nice. Uh, excuse me. I'd just like to get a bit of space here. I um. Oh, sorry, but <laughs> what a nice, warm welcome. Thank you. I'm sh- I'm sure you don't know me, but maybe the the my chair cheerleading crowd at the back there from South Africa, my family. <laughs> I've got about 25 of them. <laughs> so I want to say thank you. It's great to be back in this beautiful nation. Um, now that my daughter, my son-in-law, and my four grandchildren are Aussies, this is my second favorite nation in the whole world. <laughs> Paul Collinson is my favorite Aussie, but I haven't met a lot of you, so that could change by like 2 o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> so... I'm talking about healthy church. Um, I'm going to try my best as a South African to be kind and not to be so blunt. And I'm glad Greg went ahead of me because <laughs> he's, he's, he's kinder than me. But I'm a kind guy and I, I do know we come into the nation like this. We come and we learn more than we actually teach and give. So we really, we do. We, we're meant to be and called to be humble. And so we don't come here... Knowing everything, like uh, Matt said, we know nothing. I know even less than nothing. I went to public school, by the way, but anyway. Um, but I'm going to share some thoughts uh, regards what we do. And please, I, you know, the last time I did a, a local connect, I got into a lot of trouble. Greg was there. Uh, I always get into trouble, by the way. I ended up with two criminal records before I was 20. And I wasn't a Christian, okay? Um, yeah, I spent my time, I don't know, I wasn't going to say this, but let me say it anyway. Because God's amazing how He can redeem just a mess like me, you know. I was a drug addict, in and out of jail, running away from the police, stealing motorbikes. Just close your ears, kids. <laughs> I did a lot of things wrong. And uh, I was naughty before Christ, and I thought, why not be naughty in Christ? <laughs> but just don't, don't disobey the law if you can. Uh, during COVID, it was very difficult, but let's not, uh, <laughs> I, I, I obeyed the Lord. I thought they said you must obey the law, but I obeyed the Lord and then the law. Um, I don't know what you guys did yet, but it was a lot easier in South Africa. <laughs> so, it's um, so a healthy church. What does a healthy church look like? How do you measure a healthy church? Um, is it by size? Is it by you know, I remember a pastor a while back asked me how many people in our church, because that's how we measure our own self-worth. We ask, you know, we look, if, if somebody has less people in the church, they're less than us. If they have more people in the church, we're greater than them. It's, it's just a silly way. It's a humanistic, carnal way of, of viewing things. You know, there's, what size is, is big and which, what size is small? You know, then we got sophisticated. We stopped asking about uh, how many people in the church, because it, it was unkind and and you don't do that, it just shows your insecurity. So then the guys, we started, we started asking, how many, how many chairs do you put out? You know? And then it's like, it's like a guy asked me over lunch once, how many chairs do you put out? I said, do you want to know how big the church is? And we had just started. I think we were about going for six months. And he said, how big, how big is your church? I said, we're under 1,000. Wow, under 1,000. I just let him, I left it there. You know, it's like, you're going to ask a stupid question, and you're going to get a stupid answer. But... Uh, <laughs> But uh, now, just how many meetings do you have, you know? We have three meetings, by the way, on, on, on a Sunday morning, you know, 8, 9.30, and, and 11. We have three meetings, you know, we, we go and so we can only fit 20 in the hall. So, 
But we have three meetings. I don't tell anyone that. I'm telling you that because I can trust you Aussies. But how do we, I'm going to say some things here and I'm not pointing at anyone. Please uh, don't be insecure. As, as, as Dudley says, if you're insecure and easily offended, there's something wrong. Honestly, if, if, if we are, and I'm not trying to be offensive in any way, it comes naturally. But I'm not going to try and do it at all. I'm going to try and be as, as honest as I can and transparent as I can. And a lot of this stuff is about me, not about me, but most of my insecurities. So I'm not pointing at you. Please don't think uh, I'm referencing anyone. As Tyron always says this, if you think of somebody, when I mention something, if you think of somebody, it's not that person. Okay. But, but is it the size of the meeting? Is it, is it, is it our preaching skills? Is it the number of uh, uh, your meetings? I said there's the size, the number, our lighting setup, our audio, our organization, our band, our website, our stage setup. I mean, this is a beautiful, I don't know what you call this, you know, I don't know what you guys call it, but we... We have a, something like this back home, and we, we call, you know, very often we, we change the design, called stage design. Now, I don't know, is this a stage or is this a pulpit? No, this is a pulpit. This is a pulpit. Well, <laughs> so we spend a lot of time, I'm not talking about this stage or this pulpit, but this is a pulpit. Is this, is this a stage we perform from? Or is it a pulpit we minister from? And we also, you know, we want to fix up our stage and we want to, uh, our pulpit, I meant to say. We want to design it. My wife is uh, into the uh, decor and that in our church. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking about my son. There was my son here. He was um, playing the drums. He's my favorite male drummer in the whole world. Then my daughter-in-law is my favorite female drummer in the whole world. Are we still allowed to say male and female? Okay, I'm just from Africa. We, we, just, I don't know. I'm a simple guy from Africa. But my, uh, my, son, my son is my favorite son pre- uh, worship leader in the whole world. My son, Mark. The whole world. My son-in-law that is here is my favorite son-in-law worship leader in the whole world. <laughs> And I'm just thinking of, of them, so I'm not thinking of anyone else. I'm thinking of Daniel. When he plays the drums, Dan, are you playing here to perform for the people? I'm sure there's an element of truth here. You want to, you want to look good, you want to sound good, you want people to like you, you want, you want them to say you're good. But that's not what you should be doing it for. This is not a stage we perform off to entertain an audience, a crowd. This is a pulpit we minister from. And this has got nothing to do with the lights. Or We've also we've got better lights than this, by the way. Just, I wanted to make you feel good, so you didn't feel that I was talking about you. But uh, we are called to be ministers, not performers. If we want to perform, and I don't know what's in your heart. You know, often I find myself so challenged with this because I also want to be liked. You know, I was uh, doing some uh, servant prep in a coffee shop the other day, and this couple came and sat down next to me. And the, the, the wife looked at the notion. She said, oh, you're preaching on that. Is it going to be good? I was preaching on the, on the oh, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. I preached, I mean, the last three Sundays, I preached four, four times on a Sunday. I forget what I preached. Somebody said, you know, I could never invite you because I don't know what's going to come out of your mouth. I said, nor do I. But anyway. <laughs> and I don't. But I do hope that it's helpful, that what, what comes out of my mouth. Um, is it going to be good, she said. It's not about being good. It's not about us being good. It's not about you liking. And, and this is the thing that we get challenges us all the time is, is how, how good are we going to be? You know, the parable of the sow, which hopefully I'm going to share this Sunday at this 
beautiful church. <laughs> That's your, if I, you know, Christine, you're laughing because you might, you might disinvite me like tomorrow. I know that. I, it won't be the first time, so I'm used to it. But, uh, you know, the sower, the, the whole parable had nothing to do with the, with the sower or the seed. It had to do with the soil. So we are just sowers. We used to sow soil. And we, we get so caught up with the, the show business and the celebrity stuff of ministry that we, we lose our way. You're not important. I came all the way from South Africa, Africa, to tell you, you're not important. Nor am I important. He's important. And I know it's, it's all about him, isn't it? And so let's have a look at a healthy church. This is what Peter says here. We'll read together in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. He says here, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and as a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must. We don't have to. Not, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain. Now, that could be financial gain. What about position and profile? What about to be seen, to be noticed? I had a guy recently asked me, why don't I ever preach in your church? Why, why haven't you asked me? I can preach. Why haven't you asked me to preach? I said, because you asked me. That's why you're not preaching. Until you stop asking me, maybe we'll consider it. He's looking for profile, position. He wants people to see how good he is. Or do you want to come onto this pulpit? Or you want, is it a stage you're going to perform off? Or is it a pulpit you're going to minister to the people and you don't get, get no glory? Are you happy for that? Are you happy for that? But we're eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to us, but being examples to the flock. Are we examples, friends? And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. All of you, all of us, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, that's, between, that's where we're going to suffer. We're only going to suffer on this planet. And I'm going to talk a little bit about suffering. And, I, and I, we don't like to talk about suffering. We want to talk about the, the glory stuff and the good stuff. And we need to talk about all of that stuff. The good stuff and also the tough stuff. It says here, uh, he will restore us after we've suffered a little while. Now, I don't know if you've lived long enough. I don't know if you've suffered. I've had some tremendous sufferings in my life. And so have you have probably had less than you. But, but it's a mystery that God allows us. But he told us we live in this broken, fallen world. We live in this broken body that has the potential to feel pain and suffer and be depressed and anxious. And he's telling us you will suffer for a little while. Yeah, there will be a day of glory. There will be no more suffering. No more pain, no more sickness. We won't have to pray for people to be healed. It's great that we do it here, but there we won't need any gifts of healing because we will be healed forever. And so if you... Anyway, let me not run ahead of myself here. He will restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To Him be the power and the, uh, forever and ever. Amen. I, I like this guy, Martin Luther. He's a dead guy. And he was, uh, he was no friend of the Pope. 
After his thesis had been known, he nailed it on the, on the doors of the, I think it was the Vatican at the time, or I don't know what, uh, um, what church at the time. But at one time in writing, he said, he said this, I am more afraid of my own heart than of the Pope of Rome. For in my own heart there dwells that great Pope, self. So this is uh, Peter who's writing to us here. And, and I, you know, I'm learning from Peter. He made a lot of mistakes, as I do and as all of us do. I've been in pastoral ministry full-time for over 28 years. And no one has given me greater trouble than me. <laughs> really, I'm a... My wife got up a few, a few weeks ago, we were, doing a, we were preaching together, doing a session, and she said to the church, you know, this, this man, I have to handle him. She has to handle me. She has to manage me, actually, the words she said. And I'm grateful because it's difficult for me to manage myself. And I need help. And, but I did say, listen, the, the, the Holy Spirit is the helper. You're not the Holy Spirit's helper, but you can help me. I'd appreciate that. But uh, I'm my biggest own problem. I, uh, I doubt myself. Um, I get distracted. I compare myself. I fall into the sin of comparison regularly, especially during COVID, because what we would do, we would film ourselves, and, and this was dreadful. It's like I, we would film ourselves. My son Daniel would film me, and then we'd look at it. We'd look at the preach before if we went live, and so we, that was the first time, and then we put it up, and then we all watched it live together, and then I wanted to see what mistakes and where I was good, so I watched it a third time, and, and it was terrible. And then I watched some of you, and some of you like wax lyrical. It's like you're amazing. It's like you just don't even stutter. There's no, there's no, there's no pause. You're just like, and I look at you, and I think, what, what, Lord, can I do something else? Surely, you know, I come from a horse racing background. Maybe I could go be a jockey. I'm too heavy. I maybe chop a leg off, and I could, I could ride with one leg. I'm that good as a jockey. I'm not that good as a preacher. But, but anyway. But, but, and sometimes I get a fat head. The problem with this is, like, most of when I, when I look at myself, I, don't tell me you preachers have never looked at yourself when your wife is asleep. You go and click on there and see how you, how you did. And that most of the time I look, I, I feel like so bad. It's like, how bad you are. But you know what's even worse? Every now and again, I think I'm pretty good. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like crazy. But, uh, but, uh, you know, we, we're going to go through trials, friends. We're going to go through trials and, and I want to say to you that not every trial that comes is from the devil. Sometimes God allows us to be tested and proved and strengthened. You know, I, I don't, we've got lots of teachers. In fact, my daughter-in-law is here and my daughter, they're both teachers. I don't like teachers. They know that. And we've got a church full of teachers. I don't like teachers because I, used, I was always in trouble. I was always getting sent to the headmaster's office. In those days, you got caning. But it was the teacher's fault. They had issues at home and they took it out on me. It wasn't my fault. I don't like teachers. I got an issue with teachers. But, but you know, they test you. My wife said, you know, they, they test you not to catch you. I used to think they used to test us to catch us out. No, they, they're testing us to show us where we were weak so we can strengthen that muscle wherever that may be. So, so teachers are good. <laughs> I like teachers. I only like my daughter's teachers. No, the others I don't like. He says this in, in chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, the same Peter, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange is happening to you. It's not strange. The Lord is behind it. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ 
so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. We'll suffer in part now. We'll suffer for a little while, but glory is coming. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, that's a form of suffering. You are blessed. Don't bring it upon yourself. If you bring shame and suffering upon yourself, that's not, you can't claim glory. It's the glory that you, you receive by being insulted. You are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Suffering now and glory later. And I'm not saying we should not contend and keep contending for, for victory and liberty as we've heard and, and healing and, and breakthroughs and deliverance and all that. We must keep contending. We'll pray for every single person that comes along our, our path. But we also need to have a good theology on suffering. If you've lived long enough, you know you, will, you have suffered and we, we all suffer. We you know, I'm getting old now. I've got uh, seven grandchildren. I can say that pr loudly and proudly. Don't say that anywhere in South Africa at the moment because it's only an Aussie kind of revelation. Okay. You, please, Aussies. You can't tell anyone. So we're getting older. And like we, in the last, probably in the last 20 years of our lives, and we're starting to like, consider what, what, what the, the, the next 20 looks like. Some of you have got maybe, what, 10 or 5 years. But, you know, I was speaking to... <laughs> I'm not prophesying. I didn't mean that, like that. But I mean, I, was, I, was telling, I looked at Russ because you, but you, Russ was telling me that you're still strong at, 50, at 68. I'm 59. 68, you're still strong. But the reality is we're getting closer to glory. And we've got lots to do, but you need to, we need to start being aware of that and not slow down, but, uh, but be, you know, be aware. We will suffer. We suffered so much during COVID, didn't we? And we had these totalitarian governments and these lies and these big farmer. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this here. And, uh, and, uh, and these media houses and they, they conned us and lied us. And we, we try to be as good, good Christians and we try to be, keep everyone safe. And they told us that we're going to flatten the curve for three weeks. You know, like we're still flattening the curve. You know, it's like crazy. And... Uh, and so we had a conviction. My wife and I had this conviction. We went before the Lord and we felt the Lord say we shouldn't close the church. Now, I'm not saying we're clever, you should do this. We're just telling you, is this cool? I'll just tell you what the Lord told us to do. Four ways community church. We put no pressure on anyone. The Lord said we shouldn't. This is what we felt. We could, we'll find out one day in heaven <laughs> if he's going to give us a spanking. But this is what we felt the Lord say. We felt the Lord say that we mustn't, um, we mustn't restrict the numbers. Okay, you better cut this out because they'll never let me back in Aussie because there's enough criminals here. They'll send me back. You know the one time I tried to get into this place? I tried to get in here the one time. So the first time I came here, I filled in the form, but I, was, I, was, I wasn't fully redeemed. You know, sanctification is a process. Okay? So the first time they asked, do you have any criminal records? I said no because it was still, God was still sanctifying that. And I got my visa, I got you. The next time... I had to fill in the visa. It says there, have you got any criminal records? I thought, hey, Lord, you're working on me. And I said, yes. I didn't let me in. I couldn't come. It's like, what? I'm, I'll be at home. <laughs> okay, I don't know. I'm not supposed to say stuff like that. <laughs> but anyway, so we stayed open. You know what was exciting, eh? The one time, the one time we were open, it was that we were restricted to 50 people. Now, I'm not telling you do what I do. What I do, don't do. Don't do this at home. I'm just telling you what we did, okay? Is it cool? So it, we were restricted to 50. We opened up. We can put about 300 and even more in the church. I don't know. We maybe had 400. No, it wasn't that bad. But we're upstairs. Do you, do you know Hooters? 
Do you know that restaurant chain? How, how come do you know who it is? Okay. 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 No. So anyway, there's, we're in a shopping center and there's a, there's, a, there's a restaurant called Hooters. We're above Hooters. We're on top of Hooters. When, <laughs> that's a true story. I'm not joking. When people ask, they say, where's the church? I say, we're above Hooters. Oh, we know exactly where that is. My wife says, why don't you tell them well, you're next to Humble Harry's, the coffee restaurant? I say, it's more exciting. We're next to Hooters. Anyways, we were upstairs, and the one time we were worshiping, and somebody looked out the window and said, the, the cops are here. Hey, so we locked the doors, closed the window, put the lights off. Hey, it was exciting. It was the most exciting time that we've ever had. The people still talking about it. You remember when the cops came, and we worshiped the Lord? <laughs> remember when they said, you can't preach in this name? We will go to our death preaching this name. And I said to the guys, I said, this was our conviction. And uh, if the cops lock me up, they lock me up. But I said to our team, remember, we believe in the plurality of elders. So, you know? So, so if I get locked up, you're coming with me. I'm not going alone. <laughs> We're all leaders. And you remember, everyone is a leader. So you're all getting locked up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, anyways, the point I was trying to make, just by having a little bit of fun, is uh, I got some letters from some of my brothers in town. I'm dishonoring the gospel, and I'm, uh, I'm ruining my reputation. I said, but I've never had a reputation, by the way, so don't worry about my reputation. We saw, and I'm not bragging, I just want to encourage you, do what the Lord says. If the law opposes the Lord, do what the Lord says. So we, we saw more people baptized in that two-year period than any other two-year period in our 23-year history. I'm not, I'm not bra we're not bragging. I'm just t telling you what happened. We, we, the gospel was, was advancing. The kingdom was advancing. The gospel was being preached. And we, we saw many, many people baptized in that time. It was one of the most beautiful times. And we probably made some mistakes. We're not perfect. Sanctification, as I said, is a process. But we will suffer. The prosperity gospel tells us that you come to Christ and everything will be perfect. I tried that. It's not perfect. It's great. It's wonderful. Even the sufferings we've been through, the trials, God uses them. Because the Bible says all things work together for the good for those who are called and love Him. Called according to His purpose. All things. The good, the bad, the tough, everything. He works them and uses them. One of the, the most traumatic periods in our how, many, how long have we been married? 33 years of marriage. Was our third little child. We went for a 16-week scan, and they scanned, and they said, listen, there's a, there's a big problem here. So um, the gynecologist said he wanted to go next door to his colleague, and I was so cross with him. I, I wanted to, if it was before Christ, I think I would have gone to jail again because he's scanning my kid, and like, just look properly, man. There's no problem here. What's wrong with your scanning machine? And where did you get your degree, by the way? Just look properly. You're not looking properly. I was just so distraught, and, and, and it was traumatic. Anyway, he said to us, um, there's a problem here, and the colleague confirmed, and they said, you have to abort this baby uh, because there's no way this baby's going to live. And we said, listen, we can't abort. God gives, God takes away. We, we, can't, we can't do that. You know? It's not something we can do. So he said, well, it's so dangerous that I, we can't continue with you. We can't walk through this pregnancy. We said, that's cool. We'll find another guy. And he said, no problems. And we left. He got hold of us maybe a week or two later and just said, hey, you know, he's so sorry. He feels bad. Come back. He'll help us. And, and anyway, this little girl called Hannah, she grew in my wife's womb. 
And uh, every time we went for the scan, it was such a letdown. But in between the scans, our faith was pumped up. We were trusting. We were, we were breaking bread. We were anointing Susanna's head, her belly button, her toes, her everything. We just anointed her whole body. I mean, the one time I wanted to pour oil all over. We did flick flacks. We played, we played music. We, we cursed everything. I, I, you know, went back in the family tree and any Freemason issue. I just, my grandfather's grandfather's grandfather. I went down to about 30 generations confessing the sins. Because we wanted to see her healed. And, and every time we went for the scan, she wasn't healed. And, and we thought, no, when they cut her out, when they cut Susanna open and bring her out, she's going to be healed. She, didn't heal, she wasn't healed. She lived for eight weeks. And in that eight weeks, we thought she's going to get healed any day. We prayed for her every day, and she didn't get healed. And she went to be with the Lord. She died in her arms, took her last breath. That little girl uh, impacted our lives. Like you can't believe. When I get to heaven, I'm going to find her in heaven. I'm going to say, who's your daddy? And she's going to say, you, you're my daddy. I say, you bet you I'm your daddy. She's my most beautiful daughter in heaven at the moment. <laughs> See, there will be suffering. You know, the day. Um, ah, is it okay if I just tell these stories? It's just, so, so the day that my wife's waters broke with this little girl, Hannah, we were lying, we were lying in bed. It was 3 a.m. And Susanna said, my waters are broke. And the whole bed was wet. And this, this little girl was growing in her tummy with a, what they call hydranencephalitis. She had water on her head. So the water was making her head swell. So her head was big. She couldn't uh, give birth naturally. And so we were getting ordained that day into the ministry. And Susanna said, we are going to get ordained. The water's broke at three. She has to have a cesarean section. It's like silly, eh? You should rush to the hospital. If that happens to you, don't do what we do. Rush to the hospital. True story. But we went, we got a hold of the, the we were uh, uh, associate pastors at the time, we got a hold of the guy and said, listen, the, 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 the uh, ordination's happening at this time, can we, can we come to church and at nine o'clock, don't even do the announcements, ordain us right away and we'll go. Susanna wrapped herself in towels, she was walking, you know, all the water still, she was walking down, I know it's a bit graphic, she was walking down the aisle to go get ordained with a towel wrapped around her, but we weren't going to let nothing stop God's purpose. And so that little girl, anyway, shaped our lives. And God's using our, used our brokenness to see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come to Christ. In our, in our brokenness and our weakness. Um, you don't have to have it all together. don't have to have it all together. And the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore you and make you strong. Hello, there we go, you see, somebody was cursing this thing, I, I'm out in Jesus' name. So, let's get on to pastoral ministry. I've, I've just had such fun here, man. I've, I've enjoyed it here. Ministry can be tough, man. I remember being on a Zoom call with Tyron and a whole bunch of pastors from all over the world. And I don't want to be the negative guy. I don't want to be the guy that, and God uses me sometimes to be that guy that just pops the balloon. I don't like that ministry, <laughs> popping the balloon. But I just, so everyone, we're all raving. Everyone's raving how great it is and how this and this. The money's coming in. People are getting saved. This is during COVID. I said, hey, Tyron, you know, you have to put your hand up on Zoom. I said, hey, I don't want to be a, the negative Nancy here, but hey, I, I'm finding it tough, man. We can't meet properly. People are scared. People are hiding. At that time, I just met with a young man 
whose, uh, whose wife had just given birth to their second little girl, and he had just uh, had committed adultery. It's pain. Um, ministry can be tough. It's, it's great. When people get saved, we, we baptize so many people. That, you know, just recently, we baptized a whole bunch of people. Some of you are my Facebook friends. You see me brag about it on Facebook. I'm actually boasting in the Lord. But there's a bit of narcissism and bragging in all of us. In all of us. But, uh, but, but planting is tough, you know. During COVID, there's thousands, I think 20,000 pastors resigned from ministry. So it's, it's, we, we, we need to let these youngsters know. It's, it's the best thing, if God's called you, if he hasn't called you, it's the worst thing you could ever do in your life. If he's called you, it's the best thing you can do. It'll be the toughest thing, but it's the most glorious thing for you to give your life. But ministries, I don't know if any of you found, how long have you guys been going? Over 30 years. I'm sure it's been tough at times. It hasn't been like swinging from the chandeliers the whole time, buddy. There's some, yeah, I see them. That's why. Like from one to one. Yeah. So, so Paul, Peter, he's addressing us, those of us that are involved in pastoral ministry. And he's encouraging us to be shepherds and, and elders. We are leaders. This is a leadership equipping time, NCMI equipping time. We're all leaders here. And he's encouraging us to shepherd the flock that is among you. So if, you, if the flock is among you, it means you're among them. We don't, we don't lead the flock from an ivory tower, from some office, or behind a desk or computer. We're among them. We are with them. <clears throat> They're on our phones, they're in our faces, they're on our email. But the problem is, I learned this from a farmer, I asked him about sheep. He said, first I want to tell you, sheep stink. Literally, I'm talking about sheep, 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 proper sheep. They stink. And they bite. Sounds a bit like the average congregation, doesn't it? <laughs> but they need to be among us, and we're among them. And it's very challenging and to be a leader. But it's the most wonderful thing. I was in business many years, a few years before I went into ministry. And uh, ministry is the most rewarding thing I've ever done. To see lives change. To see, to see people cross a line of faith and get saved. Can I tell you another story? One of the greatest moments in my ministry was, was laying a man to rest. Doing his funeral on national television. Became a very good friend of mine. His name was Mark Batchelor. He was a soccer player. He was a, he was a hooligan. He was a gangster. He was a horrible guy. You don't want to come across him. He, he used to bully people. He road rage. I, I had the one, one time I, a guy approached somebody in our church and asked the guy in my church to ask Mark Batchelor to leave him alone. He was a, a bully, but he, he got redeemed. He got saved. He got saved every Sunday. Every Sunday I threw out the net. Yeah, he stood up at the back. I used to say, but you don't have to get saved against bad theology, but I need you. So I let him. I let, him, I let him get saved multiple times. He's got saved more than anyone in the whole world, I'm sure. <laughs> but he's going to be in heaven. Anyway, his sins caught up with him, and he was assassinated. Two guys in a motorbike came up. Guys behind him shot him six times. And I had the privilege to lay him to rest. It was a privilege. I walked behind that, that, uh, that coffin out of, the, out of the church. Laid the man, gave him some dignity. Because he got saved. He was redeemed. I remember... Sitting with him, we used to have a lunch once a week. And because he had such a bad reputation before, people would walk past and like, like look at him with disgust. And then they started looking at me with disgust. And I just thought, you don't know this, man. This is what the gospel is for people like that. It's not for good people. Jesus didn't come to save the good 
and the healthy. You can't just save the rubbish like me. The nonsense. The, you know what a scabang is? Like me. That's what he, thank God he didn't come for the good and the clean. He came for us rubbish people, man. Because we're all rubbish. No one's done good. We're all, we're all unrighteous. So, so I want to challenge you in the next couple of minutes that I've got left here. Is, why are you doing what you're doing? Some tough questions. Why are we in this? What are we doing it for? For, for gain? To be look liked because we're good? Do we really love people? That's the question. Do we really, really love people? Do we know, do we know our people? Or is it just is a ministry that we, it's a job we fulfill? Um, why are we shepherding? We're not, we're not CEOs. We're not, we're not generals. I know there's an army metaphor in the scriptures. But we're called to care. We're called to love. And uh, I remember Dudley saying many years ago, like, you know, he said, have you ever wanted to quit? He says, because I wanted to quit every Sunday, every Monday morning. <laughs> uh, maybe he's got the same makeup as me. And I'm a bit like that. It's like, like I hammer myself. I'm my worst enemy, and maybe some of you, I, I, there's some guys I think, do you, do you ever, ever doubt yourself? Because you're so confident, you're actually brilliant at being so confident, or you think you're that good, like you think you're amazing. It's because I doubt myself, the, the one Sunday, was long ago, I got into the car, and you shouldn't do this. If you're young, old, formerly old, or whatever you are, <laughs> or if you're going to be a pastor one day, don't ask your wife, how was the preach? It's like, it's like when your wife comes to you and she says, how do I look? You, you, you're finished. You're dead. So what must she say? You jump in the car and you say, how was that? She, so my wife is just straightforward. I love it. She says, do you want the real answer or do you want your answer? I want my answer, babes. <laughs> she never gives it to me. She wants to be true, but she's my, she's my great. She sits through. I want to just honor her. There's my wife there. I want to honor her. She sits through the meetings, honestly. She's a, she's a hero. She doesn't like to preach. She doesn't want to preach. She lets me preach. Three, Sunday morning, three times, she sits there, listening to my drivel. I don't know why she does it. I, I thought it was to encourage me, but I think it's to make sure. Yeah. I'll stay. I'll stay. But anyway, this, she, she, she's been so great, and she let it slip the other day. So I got in the car and said, hey, babes, how was that? I, I just felt I was a bit weak. I needed some encouragement. She said, that was a wonderful motivational talk. I was finished. I went and listened to it, and I thought, I wanted to give up ministry in the car. And then when I got home and listened to it, I wanted to give up again. Sometimes we have these things, these, this what we call ministry blues. It's not always rock and roll. Sometimes it's, it can be tough. You know, some of the best, most beautiful Christian hymns have difficulty and suffering in them, at the heart of them. I don't know if you know the this, this song, It Is Well, the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. I'm sure you all know the story. The, the guy that wrote it, what was his name? Arisha Spafford. His four daughters drowned in a ship. And when he sailed at that point, he was sailing at the point where they drowned, he's, he wrote this hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. How could somebody do that? It's like, because he knew Christ. He knows that there will be suffering for a while, but there will be glory later. The problem is we want the glory now. And I'm, not, I'm not saying we shouldn't contend for more of what God has for us. I want more. I'm a, I'm a kind of greedy Christian. Whatever you have for me, I want it all, Lord. 
I want to go to my grave empty. I don't want to go leaving a dream behind or a song or, or a mission or whatever he has for me without burning myself out. I want to go to the grave with everything. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear that. Not because I'm insecure, because I serve this master as we do. But uh, if you're called, we, we're not immune to suffering as Christians. And we don't call it upon ourselves, for sure. We, whenever I'm suffering or I feel God's teaching me something, I, went, I say to God, like with respect, I say, God, you remember I went to public school? I learned very quickly. Teach me. I, I don't know. This is not, maybe not a joke in, in, in Australia because we probably all go to public school. Okay, but in South Africa, it's a big joke. You see, we're out of context here. I know that. I'm so sorry. But why do we do what we do? Is it, is it for shameful gain? I'm asking myself, but maybe examine your own heart. Is it, is it because we, we want to look good? Is it, is it in a grudging way? Is it because we're greedy? Or is it in a domineering way? Or are we following the pattern of Christ? But we do it knowing that the great chief shepherd will appear and we will receive an unfailing crown of glory. See, the pattern is, I'm going to finish off with the three points quickly. The pattern is the pattern of servanthood. And we move to the last portion of that scripture. This is the framework for how we carry out our ministry. If you get on the wrong side of this, it will contribute to a lot of problems. And it goes like this. Number one, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Well, it was Matt who was talking about getting perspective and counsel from everyone. It doesn't say that the church must clothe itself with humility towards the elders. All of us, we clothe ourselves with humility. It says God opposes the proud. Now, once again, I, I'm actually, I actually realize I'm quite a clever guy. Why? Because it says God opposes the proud, and then there's a section in the world that that celebrates a month, they call it Pride Month. Like, don't you find that silly? I'm not, I'm not mocking anyone or anything. You can do what you want. I'm not even criticizing that. But why would you call it Pride Month? Are you trying to have a go at God? Are you trying to make a point? And we've got those folk that come to our church, and we welcome them to our church. But I find that incredible that you'd call that. It's, it's an abomination to God. You see, when, when we think we deserve more that we're getting, I want more opportunity, more profile. When I live thinking that I'm not getting what I really deserve, the root of the problem is we're thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Have you ever asked this question, if you're a muso, when am I going to get a slot? Why, why is she there again? Or maybe a ministry opportunity. You know, why is it this, this guy from South Africa that like, sounds like he's stuttering a bit. He can hardly even string three words together. Why is he getting an, an opportunity or Paul or whatever? See, when you feel you're not getting what you ought to get, you, we're thinking too highly. It, it's happened to me too many times. I don't want to bore you. See, this is Peter. who He got it right. Remember, he was the one that said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He started to distinguish himself from his fellow disciples. He even said to Jesus, I'm your man. I, if they all leave you, I will be there. What, did he, what happened to him? He messed up. It must have, been a, must have been a painful lesson for him to write this letter. Because he wrote it when he addressed them as a fellow elder. 
He remembered that time he messed up. Augustine said this. He said, there's something about humility that appeals to my ego. I'm so humble, I'm proud of it. That's basically what he said. You see, humility is not telling people what you, that you can't do things. Humility is recognizing that the center of the universe doesn't revolve around you, Tony. When you, do, when you do that, you get a fat head and you think it's all about you. I mean, Paul had, a, he was, he had an incredible intellect. And uh, he says this in Corinthians, that it was there to keep, keep him from being conceited. There was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan. I don't understand. It's a mystery to me. God allowed it. We're just thinking of the man that's, and the couple and the man that started this NCMM uh, Ministries International, Dudley Daniel. Now, I know we contend. We want to pray for the sick and we believe God will heal them. If not, yeah, he doesn't always heal you. That's true. Doesn't always heal you. And if you're having to work that out and always have an answer, you're going to go crazy. But we don't stop contending. God, please, will you heal? He struggled for years. With You'd think the man who started this apostolic network would be able to pray for himself to be healed. Now, I live with a bit of mystery. Is Why did God, has God allowed him not to be healed? I don't know. And he might still be healed. That's what we contend with. We still pray. He could still be healed. Till his deathbed. We don't stop praying until he dies. Because he will die. We all die unless God returns. But if he, if he goes to his deathbed, and I shouldn't be talking about him. I don't know if he'd be happy with that. No, seriously. I mean, I know Dudley, and I don't want to say, be disrespectful in any way. But if he doesn't get saved, I mean, if he doesn't get Sorry, Dudley. If you look at this, you know, jockey, I'm your bad buddy. If he doesn't get healed this side of eternity, he will. The next phase of eternity. There's a healing is guaranteed in the atonement. Guaranteed. And we contend for it now till our deathbed. So we, we humble. Secondly, we cast all our anxiety on him because he cares. I'm not an overly anxious person, but... It does attack me from time to time, this. I feel anxious, especially when I wake up in the morning. I don't know what you like. When I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, like this, the last morning, I didn't wake up at all because I didn't go to sleep at all. I went right through the night. But sometimes I, I lay in the bed and I start to become anxious. My own mind is anxious. The devil fires his, sends his fiery darts and he lies and he accuses. And so this is not theoretical. Why, why would Peter write this? Because we have the potential to be anxious. Why does Paul say in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, because we have that potential. Some of us are more anxious than others, but he's exhorting us to cast our anxiety on him. Did you know that David encouraged himself in the Lord? He encouraged himself in the Lord, and I find myself having to do that regularly. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush around and worry so said the sparrow to the robin. Well, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. We shouldn't worry. We've got no, Jesus said, do not worry. So when you worry, when a thought of worry, take, what does the Bible say? Take captive every thought that exalts itself above the knowledge of Christ. Take that thought. Say, resist, submit to God. Resist the devil. He has to flee. And then talk to yourself. Talk to your mind. Fill your mind with godly thoughts. Read your Bible. I don't know what it is. And then lastly is, then there's adversity. We're in a war, friends. 
And it comes at all fronts. We, we're in a war. And, and uh, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but when I watch the news in America and even in South Africa, they, they, they've, they've termed male, unredeemed masculinity, toxic masculinity. There's no such thing as toxic masculinity. There's redeemed masculinity and unredeemed masculinity. Of course, there's abuse, but it's unredeemed. We are the redeemed men. We need to rise up and we need to use our masculinity and our aggression and our anger for good. In South Africa, we have a big problem with men beating wives and women and children. A big problem in rape. What's it called? G GBV. Yeah, gender-based violence. It's horrific. So we need to get up and we need to, we don't fight against flesh and blood, I know that. But if we see something like that, we can't turn a blind and we say, hey, stop it. And so we need to lift our voices as men in South Africa and the world. There's no such thing as toxic. If there's toxic masculinity, there's toxic femininity. It's unredeemed or redeemed. And the Bible doesn't say we can't be angry. Do not sin in your anger. Take your anger. We don't have to take men's anger. That's what the world's trying to do. Take emasculate men. Take their masculinity and the anger away. No, we need to rechannel it. Don't take it away. Channel it. Anger can make you do something righteous without sinning. In your anger, don't sin. We, men are made to, to war. Men are made with aggression. We just need to channel it. Go plant a church and see how much aggression you need there. You have to. People come in the church and they want to hijack. You have to say, no, sir. I've almost got into so many fights in our church. I want to close with this. <laughs> Serious. The other day, last story and then I'm, gonna, I'm done. I was at the back of the hall the other day. And this big guy, he was trying to intimidate me. And he's looking at me, and, he, and, and well, he didn't start off that. He started off, he said, listen, he was, he was visiting for the first time. He said, can I, can you dedicate my child? So I said, sir, we would love to dedicate your child, but um, we only dedicate members. It's just like a filter. Like, who, I don't know who you are. You know, we, we dedicate members of the, of the church, their kids. He said, well, how can I, how can I become a member? So I said, oh, we'd just like to get to know you, and, and you know, maybe we can meet up. He says, why are you making it so difficult to become a member of this church? I said, sir, I've just met you for the first time. He's like, yeah, but it's like, so you're so I just want to get my child dedicated, and, and I just want to be a member, man. Why are you making it so difficult? I said, sir, I, I don't know. So then God, God gave me, a, I think, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. I don't know which one it was. So I looked at the lady that was with him holding the baby. I said, is that your wife? He says, no, 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 that's my girlfriend. I said, is that your baby? He says, I said, yeah. I said, we need to talk about that first. We'd love to dedicate your kid, but can we talk about that? Hey, he started getting, I thought I was going to get the first time knocked out. In, in front, because I just stood my ground there. What must I do? I must say, oh, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll dedicate your kid. It's like, no, I just, I wasn't aggressive because I would have been pummeled. I just stood there, I said, what can you, what, are you going to hit me? I didn't say that because he probably would have. <laughs> But he said, he was so angry, he said, you know what, I'm going to find another church. As he walked down the stairs, I said, maybe that's the best thing for you, sir. It's going to take aggression to, to, to cast vision, to refute dissidents. That's one of the things that I'll refute dissidents. People that come and try and shipwreck and hijack, you're going to have to confront. You can't send somebody else. We can't at times delegate this. We're going to have to do it. We do it like Jesus did it. 
firm and kind and loving, but we stand our ground. We say, no, we don't accept that in this church. That behavior, we don't accept. So I hope that was helpful. I hope that was helpful. Thank you.